Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch. And as we continue our discussion of viewing New Testament Christianity from an Old Testament lens, it's it's necessary that we look at uh, shadows, types and shadows. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what types and shadows are, well, hopefully we'll be able to um, give you a better understanding of it as we go through or go forward. Um, what we're going to do is look at three parts. First, we're going to define what types and shadows are. Uh, next, we're going to uh, look at the importance of types and shadows. And then, in the last place, we're going to look at rules of shadows. And so, to give first and foremost the imagery. That's that is the reason why these instances or these people or these these patterns, so to speak, are given the name uh, shadows or given the term shadows. It is exactly that. Shadows have two parts to them. You have the shadow, and then you have the figure itself. And that is the best way, at least from my perspective, to explain what a shadow is or what they are. Anything that is in light will cast a shadow. You can tell that there is a figure there by the shadow. Though you may not be able to see the figure itself, you can still at least see the shadow but you know that something is there because of the shadow. That is what some of these things or instances, people, places, um, patterns in the Old Testament actually are. They are but shadows of something in the New Testament. Now, we're, we can notice various uh, types and shadows, and we're only going to be able to look at, at just four, or rather, four figures, and a few of those have multiple uh, shadows, baptism particular in particular. So, a shadow is that which is in the Old Testament. The figure is what is in the New Testament. It's what we find in the New Testament that is casting the shadow. Those of the, the these places, people, patterns, etc. of the Old Testament were looking to or looking toward something in the New Testament. We're going to notice as we move forward uh, Joseph being a shadow of Jesus. Now, Joseph, he had his own importance in and of himself, but 
the way that God sculpted his life and, and sculpted his character as well. Joseph, of course, placing himself under the submission of God and being obedient to God. Joseph was still a shadow of Jesus. We're also going to look at the temple being a shadow of something far more grand and greater than the temple ever could have been. We're going to look at the year of Jubilee. It's one of the um, scaved over items in the Bible. And we're going to hopefully be able to learn a little bit about it and what it shadowed in the New Testament age. And we're also, like aforementioned, going to look at the many shadows of baptism, or at least the many that uh, I and, and the guest hosts have been able to find, and perhaps there are even more. Now, I want us to look at a few places in New Testament Scripture, a few verses that mention, uh, that mention types or shadows, etc., now, there are a few words, shadow, the King James Version has like figure, but it is also known as the anti-type and the type, as well as pattern. Pattern is also used in the New Testament to uh, describe the shadows of the Old Testament. So we're going to look at a few verses. The first place I want to go to is 1 Peter 3, verse 21. The like figure, or the antitype, it is the, uh, the figure, what we're looking forward to from the Old Testament. Whereunto baptism does also now save us. Now in the context, Peter was just talking about the flood, and then he says the antitype. This is what the flood was looking forward to. Whereunto baptism does also now save us. He, he tells us it's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. You're not actually cleansing your physical body, but rather it is the answer of a good conscience towards God. If you have a good conscience toward God, you are going to be baptized. If you refuse baptism, you clearly don't have a good conscience toward God, and thus you are not saved. Another verse that I would like for us to look at, Romans chapter 5 and verse 14. Romans 5, 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the, the same manner of Adam's transgression. And then Paul says, Who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam was but a shadow of Jesus. Now this is... Uh, very in-depth, more than what I can understand at face value, uh, multifaceted in itself, that God created mankind. Yes, Adam was the first man. And we know that God created mankind with Jesus in mind, but he also created Adam to be a shadow of Jesus himself of the perfect man. Colossians chapter 2, which is one of the more um, interesting uh, verses that we have listed. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16 and verse 17. 
Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are shadow of things to come, the bodies of Christ. So Paul was telling the Colossians, for whatever reason, whatever false doctrine was uh, permeating throughout the region during that time, he says, let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in holy day or new moon or of Sabbath, Sabbath days. Now this could be uh, talking about the, the Judaizers, those who were trying to get New Testament Christians to go back to the law of Moses. Even though they have been baptized into Christ, their uh, sins have been cleansed, uh, they no longer are bearing that burden, uh, they are now New Testament Christians, and yet they were. there were certainly some individuals that were trying to get them to go back to the law of Moses. You have to be circumcised. You have to keep the Sabbath. You have to uh, travel to Jerusalem three times a year and keep these holy feasts. You can only eat and drink certain things. Well, we know that, according to Paul, these are they were all but shadows. What you're eating and what you're drinking, uh, kosher, so to speak, that was but a shadow of something that would later take place in the New Testament age. Yes, we do know that there are certain importance um, placed upon dietary laws, uh, nutritionally speaking, that you don't want to um, eat just any and everything. And there was a reason, a physical reason, but also, more importantly, there was a spiritual reason that God made the dietary laws in respect of an holy day. We know certainly that the Passover was a shadow of Jesus' death, Him being the Passover but as well as all of the other feasts that God put in place. They were all but shadows of something far more greater and more grand under the New Testament age. And then as well as Sabbath days. Even the Sabbath, Sabbath itself was but a shadow. And this also would be, at least in my mind, a hard verse for anybody who is trying to... Um, keep Sabbath today as a ritual or as a commandment of God under the New Testament age. Whenever Paul clearly says, let no man judge you in regards of one of the Sabbaths or of the Sabbath. These are all but shadows of things to come. Uh, another verse, or a few verses rather, that we should mention are in Hebrews. Hebrews 8.5, Hebrews 9.24, and Hebrews 10.1. All of these are in regards to shadows. Hebrews chapter 8, the Hebrews writer is setting forth uh, the physical priesthood. And he says, Who serve but in regards to those priests, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands. He's not entered into uh, the tabernacle or the temple, even going into where only the high priest could go. He's not entered into there, as the Hebrews writer says, 
which are the figures, the shadows of the true. But Jesus has entered into heaven itself, signifying to us that the tabernacle, the holy place and the most holy place, were but only shadows of something far greater. And then, of course, uh, Hebrews 10, chapter 1, or Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of thing, of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they conti- offer conti- uh, year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The Hebrews writer again sets forth that the law, many of those rituals and rites and ceremonies were but shadows of something in the New Testament. It all looked forward to something greater, that being the perfect law of liberty. And so we've defined what a shadow is, and we looked at a few passages in the New Testament, and these are all honorable mentions. Uh, these are all that we've looked at are passages or uh, shadows which the New Testament explicitly tells us are shadows. So what what are the rules of shadows? And to simplify it down, I think we could make it out just two rules. That's all we have to have. The number one rule of determining a shadow is if God himself says that it's a shadow. If the Bible states that it is a shadow, just as we read about in in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, 9, 24, and Hebrews 10, 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, Colossians 2, verse 17, all of these, the Bible states clearly they are shadows. But then a rule number two, which is a bit more... um, loosely based if there are clear and obvious parallels between the two such as Joseph there are numerous parallels between Joseph's life and the events of his life and things that took place things that he went through and the life of Jesus which we're going to be looking at several of those there are clear parallels not just between the flood and baptism which god states the flood was a shadow of of baptism but as well as the children of israel crossing through the red sea as well as the high priest and and the the priest having to be washed before entering into the holy place the temple itself as the Hebrews writer mentions, has many parallels to the church. And so if there are clear and obvious parallels, even if the Bible doesn't directly state that these are shadows, we can safely conclude that they are. Now, we have to be careful not to make everything out to be a shadow, though. We don't want to do that. However, just like the New Testament authors tell us the majority of these rites and rituals, if not all of them, have a spiritual meaning. 
have a figure which they were foreshadowing, so to speak. Now, in the last place, I want us to notice uh, why are shadows important? What, what is the purpose of even studying shadows? Do they have any um, import for us today, for New Testament Christians living in the 21st century? Why study them? In the first place, I wouldn't recommend these to be a study for a new convert or for somebody who isn't yet converted to Jesus, converted to Christ, but rather for mature Christians or those who are wanting to further their understanding after they have a good, solid foundation to further their understanding of Scripture. And I'll give you three reasons as to why they are important for us to study. In the first place, it shows that God had a plan to begin with. God, as we know, in his manifold wisdom, did not just create the world and then was winging it throughout the entirety of the history of mankind. Just looking at Jesus alone, we know that God had a plan. And whenever we look all the way back to that very first prophecy that God gave to mankind about the Christ, we know that he had a plan. But then whenever we look back throughout the Old Testament and we're reading certain events that took place and we're reading all of the importance that God was stressing upon certain um, people and certain things, certain uh, places, viewing it in the light of the New Testament, we realize just how magnificent God's wisdom truly is, knowing that he saw this two, three thousand years ago, in fact, far more than that, that he have all of these things set in mind, set in order, and set in place. Take a, a good movie, for example. The best movies are not those that seem to just change everything on a whim. That it's like they're, they're writing everything out instead of actually having a detailed plan as to where the story is going to go. Yes, there are some fantastic authors who can just um, write a story out and everything flows smooth and well. But the best stories always have these minor details involved that you know there's something there's something there you don't know exactly what it is to begin with but then by the climax of the story or as the close of the story comes you realize oh that's what that was for that's what that meant now i know and it adds another level of brilliancy to the story and god is doing this with humanity he did this with humanity. He's doing it in real life. This isn't just some fantasy that's being played out. This is history, the history of mankind. Also, the history, of course, of Jesus himself. And God foreshadowed so many things. The second reason that shadows are important. 
whenever we study the shadows of these figures of the New Testament, they provide a deeper meaning and more insight to what we already know about them, to what the New Testament authors and what Jesus himself has already stated about these things. We can learn so much more. God has given us so much more than what's merely on the surface. And so whenever we look at it and we unfold it all, we can tell, oh, okay, well, here is another level to it. Here is another degree of understanding. And then in the third place, it shows that shadows themselves were obsolete. And you think, well, that is somewhat obvious. Uh, once we understand what shadows are, then yes, they are obsolete. But the reason I state that is because it shows it, it, they, in making the shadows obsolete, it magnifies the figure itself. And just for an example, to paint the picture in our mind, the temple. The temple was a beautiful piece of architecture, a wonderful work, and yet... It was but a shadow of something far greater. The church is magnified by its shadow in showing that the temple itself was obsolete. It was nothing. So we hope that you will uh, check out the rest of these episodes in regards to shadows. Uh, these are perhaps some of the most interesting uh, studies, at least for myself. Uh, I know that I enjoy studying shadows and that there are, is always more that you can glean uh, from a good study of these particular shadows. So please uh, tune in whenever each of these episodes drop. Uh, while you're um, listening to us, I, I want to admonish you exhort you go check out some of our sistering podcasts uh all under scattered abroad we do appreciate you for tuning in if you think that this would be a good uh study for somebody else um, please share it with them if you need to reach out to us or you want to um, reach out to us in any way you can uh, find all of our information in the description down below we do appreciate you we love you and have a good day <laughs>